Who is your favorite child? <laughs> My favorite child. That's actually really easy to answer. <laughs> You've just tuned into the Unify podcast from Unify Youth. Our goal is to equip young people with the word of God so they can live empowered in Christ and tackle the challenges of this world. Tune in for weekly sermons, devotions, and interviews. Welcome to the Unify podcast. Welcome to the Unify podcast. My name is Matt Creether, and today I'm joined again by Pastor Andrew Cortis. G'day, Matt. Great to be with you. Very good to have you. Uh, I've got a few questions for you today, specifically related to um, reading devotions or what some people refer to as a quiet time with God. Uh, and I'll ask you those in a moment. But more importantly, Pastor Andrew, the people want to know, who is your favorite child? <laughs> My favorite child. That's actually really easy to answer. <laughs> I knew it. You fell for it. No, it's not. It's not easy at all. I cannot tell you who my favorite child is. I've got three children who are my favorite. Kate, Emma, and Jack. They're all equal. <laughs> but not Harvey. Harvey's no, not a child. he's not my child. He's my dog. And I do love my dog, but he's not on the same level as my kids. Fantastic. He thinks he is. Yeah, but he has to sleep outside. Yeah, although lately he's been sleeping inside, so maybe I'm getting a bit of a soft spot for him. Yeah, well, if you're not going to answer that for us, and I think it's good that you're being very diplomatic about it, I'm, I'm glad. I would have been a bit concerned, actually, if you had said, actually, it's Jack. Um, but could you answer this for us? What, what do you like most about being a father? I love being a dad. It is a huge blessing. I always look forward to being a dad and it's really hard to put into words why it's so precious. I have loved every stage of being a dad from the moment uh, Diane let me know that she's pregnant, hmm. seeing her belly grow, uh, seeing a baby kick her tummy, uh, seeing them when they're born and holding them in your hands, hearing their first words, watching their first steps, uh, hearing them ask their first questions, and now seeing my children as teenagers. Mm. It's such a privilege. Uh, it's exciting because I know that they're all gifts from God. Mm. I know that they are a part of both Di and myself. Uh, they have been entrusted to us. And I'm excited about being a parent because I have the opportunity, and it's a serious opportunity, my responsibility as a dad is to shape my children, uh, to train them in the Word of God. Uh, think of it like this, and I borrowed this illustration from something I preached uh, recently, and this is taken from Steve Lawson, where he likens the fact that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, which is from Psalm 127. Mm. And he says that an archer must do three things with an arrow. First of all, he needs to shape an arrow. Starts off as a, a crooked bent stick. Hmm. And children are like that. Children are born sinful and they have a sinful nature. Uh, they need to be shaped. They need to be pointed to Christ. And an archer is to sand back his arrow. It's to get rid of every rough edge. He shapes the arrow. And then you direct the arrow to where it's to be shot. 
and then one day you release your arrow so that it will go out and hit the target to the glory of God. Mm. And that's why I'm so excited to be a dad, that I get to be a part of a process where I can shape my children, I can direct my children, and I say it with tears in my eyes, I'll one day release my children, but I can't wait to see what they're going to do for God's glory. But all of that's only possible by God's grace. I can't you uh, raise up children who will love Christ and be faithful in my strength. Mm. Only God can do that. But I'm so excited to be a part of that process. Yeah, fantastic. And you gave, you've given a wonderful series recently through um, marriage and submission and parenting. And you'll be wrapping that up in a, in a couple of weeks, I believe. It's been a pause from Ephesians or maybe a, a zoom in, an extreme yeah, zoom in in, in we're, we're still going through Ephesians. We're just slowed right down. And the, the sermon that was recently preached, I preached on the first word of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children. Hmm. And we'll be looking at other passages as well. But it's been great studying the home and what God's word says about the home. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, well, uh, I'd like to ask you a little bit about your devotional time, how you uh, spend time reading God's word um, and, and things like that. So, so how do you spend uh, your devotion time with God? Over the years, I've used a lot of different methods. And I'm persuaded that there's not one method that is the godly method. Uh, the key really is that we set aside regular times where we deliberately read and study God's word. Uh, but what I'm doing right now is it's actually a brand new method and I've created it myself and I'm enjoying it and it's going to be something that it's supposed to last for over 300 days and then I just repeat it again. And what that method looks like is I read a portion of the Old Testament, I read a portion of the New Testament, and then I read a chapter from the 1689 Baptist Confession, and then I read the Baptist Catechism, which is questions and answers about theology. And I'm really enjoying that. Mm. It's giving me variety. And what's been really fun about this is it's a, a system that I've put down on paper. I can tick it off when I complete it. And you can do it at your own pace as well. So that's what my devotions have been. I've also included times like uh, reading little devotionals. Um, I do devotions with my family. And we... I do that most evenings. Sometimes it might be in a morning before breakfast or after breakfast, depending on what happens on that day. But what we're doing as a family is we're reading the book of Psalms together. Mm. And this morning we did Psalm 128. And we're enjoying uh, reading through the book of Psalms. And we also uh, spend some time uh, listening uh, to some podcasts together, just real short ones that only go for about five minutes. One called Things Unseen by Sinclair Ferguson. So that's a little bit of a picture of what I've been doing with my devotions. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I, I know with my devotional time as well, I've adopted reading uh, a portion of scripture and reading a, a, a portion of the London Baptist Confession of Faith as well. And I found it really, um, it sounds kind of crazy and, and daunting and if you're a teenager probably nobody is telling you to go ahead and do that 
but I think it's really valuable because um, this is a, a document from 16, the year 1689. Um, it's a Baptist confession and it, what it does is it kind of places us uh, in that stream of Baptists. Uh, when we read it, we see um, this is what has been traditionally believed. Um, it kind of, it safeguards us from um, some new, and not that everything new is bad, but some very new and strange um, theologies or, or ideas or even things that I come up with personally myself. Mm. And I think, is this true? Um, I don't know. Um, but what it does is it's almost like guardrails uh, as, I'm, as I'm reading through scripture and, and thinking about my life and faith. Uh, going through that the London Baptist Confession of Faith as well, and saying, "Oh, this is what, this is what I should believe. This is what um, strong Baptists have uh, believed for four hundred years." Um, and wow, it's amazing. I can I, I can be in the same stream as that, um, and hold to good traditional um, faith. I think that is such a cool description that you gave. And I would really encourage our teenagers to read the 1689 Baptist Confession. There's a really nice modern edition. Hmm. Uh, you can buy it in our church bookstore, but you can also read it for free online. So I wonder if you might be able to put up a link on that and that would be a fantastic thing for our teenagers to read. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so you mentioned that you were reading the Psalms with your, with your family. Um, but when you're when you're going through the Old Testament and the New Testament yourself, what are you what are you reading at the moment? So at the moment, I'm at the beginning of this new uh, Bible reading program, and the way it works is I'll read through the Old Testament once a year, but I'll read through the New Testament twice hmm. in the year. I'll end up reading through the Baptist Confession probably about five times and the Catechism five times as well. But right now, um, I'm right at the end of Genesis, and I'm in the Gospel of Mark as well. So I'm about to enter into uh, the book of Exodus and very soon we'll be finishing Mark and going into Luke. Wonderful. And you've mentioned the this catechism before. What is a, what is a catechism? And do you think that it's valuable for, for teenagers to, to learn about this catechism business? Oh, I sure do. I know catechism sounds very strange, doesn't it? But catechisms are really questions and answers. Hmm. So, for example, the very first question in the catechism that I'm reading, this is called the Baptist Catechism, but it's also seen in another one called the Westminster Catechism. Uh, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And it goes through a, a number of questions and answers like that with a few Bible verses. Mm. These are fantastic. We actually do a catechism nearly every Sunday at our church during the kids' Q&A. Yeah. We just don't call it a catechism, but that is a catechism. Mm. I like having a question and an answer because it's a great way of learning. It's good to memorize, but even if you can't memorize it, it's a really helpful way of summarizing Christian doctrine and truth. Mm. Fantastic. And I think when um, questions inevitably come up in your, in your life, you know, we've we walk through our Christian life, we wonder certain things. Maybe we even have a doubt about um, a certain doctrine or idea. Um, but I think catechisms can be such a, a really good way from, from a young age even to just be grounded in, no, there are answers to these questions. 
Um, there have been answers for hundreds of years. Mm. Um, in fact, there were answers all along in, in scripture. Maybe it's just taken us a little bit of time to identify them or categorize them or, or whatnot. Um, but we can find answers to these tough, tough questions in, in God's word. And a catechism kind of it helps us to uh, stand firm in our faith, um, even amidst seasons of doubt or, or whatever we're going through. Sure does. Um, so you, you mentioned you were, um, you were reading Mark and Genesis. Uh, what's, one, what's one thing that you've been learning from, from each of these books, one, one really exciting or new thing that you've learned? Yeah, the more you read the Bible, there is always something new you see. There's so many things that are familiar you're aware of the stories that are in those passages. One of the things that I'm probably learning more and more at the moment is seeing the unifying plan of God in the Bible. Hmm. And particularly when you start reading different parts of the Bible, you discover that God has always had one plan. And even though all these different circumstances happen in the world, hmm. God's perfect plan is unfolding. And I can't help but notice when I read in Genesis and you see that man sins and God immediately and graciously provides hope uh, to uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 and verse 15 onwards. Mm. Uh, you fast forward to the book of Matthew, for example, and you see Jesus. Mm. And he's the one who was promised way back in Genesis 3. That's probably the big thing that I just keep coming back to at the moment is I'm seeing this great unifying plan of God. And that's actually something I'm thinking through at the moment while I'm reading through the Bible is I'm actually trying to see how unified God's plan is. And I know it is, but I'm just seeing it clearer. Mm. I think that's a really good reason why we should be reading the Old Testament because I think a lot of Christians uh, can get caught up in thinking, well, I'm a Christian um, I follow Christ. Christ is uh, somebody who's in the New Testament primarily. And so mm. uh, therefore, I'll just stick to the New Testament. The Old Testament, it's a bit confusing. It's pretty long as well, you know, so uh, maybe I'll avoid that. But actually, um, what we can understand about Christ is so much uh, deeper and so much more enhanced and richer. And it's uh, there for us, God telling it to us in the Old Testament all along. Um it's so important for Christians to be reading the Old Testament and not just not just an easy book in the New Testament. Oh, I agree. And I think we need to read all of the Bible. It's true. Some books are going to be harder than others to read. But what I like to think of is when you look at the Old Testament, Christ is anticipated. And in the New Testament, Christ is announced. Mm. So Christ is in all of Scripture. Mm. And when we read the Bible with him in view, that makes the storyline so exciting because that's at the heart of what the Bible is all about. Mm, fantastic. Um, I want to ask a really important question. We've been talking about uh, devotions and, and reading and, and, and having a quiet time reading God's Word. Um, but I want to ask you why. Um, isn't it enough if I'm a Christian to just you know, maybe go to church with my parents on, on Sunday and I've had my weekly fill um, why do I need to spend time um, in God's Word or, or praying to God uh, throughout the week? That's a really good question. I think the best way to answer that is to understand God's Word as food for our soul. Hmm. Let's think about 
real food for a moment for your body. Look, I like food and I like a variety of dishes, but how silly would it be if I said, look, I'm going to have one meal a week mm. and it's going to be a really big meal. Okay. Sunday is like the big spiritual meal that we have and it should be the best meal we have. But let's say I go to a really good restaurant once a week, but then for the rest of the week, I don't eat anything. Mm. That's going to be really bad for my health. I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to get weak and it's going to have all sorts of health issues for me later on. It's the same spiritually. If I only feast on the Word of God on the Sunday, that's excellent. That is the most important meal. But I need to be spiritually fed every day. And that's why having a devotion or a quiet time, regular Bible reading, whatever we want to call it, is so important because it's the spiritual food that we need in order to be nourished and in order to grow. You will not grow if you're not feeding yourself with God's word regularly. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. And what's what's one tip? If you had to have just one tip for, for teens to have a better um, devotion time with God, what would it be? It would simply be this, two words, be committed and don't make it complicated. That's more than two words, but it's two <laughs> thoughts. Be committed to doing it. Mm. So you've got to have a plan and say, I am going to regularly read God's word mm. and have a plan, but don't make it overcomplicated. Uh, some people create really big devotion plans, quiet time plans, and they do it once or maybe do it for a week. Then they get discouraged because other things come up. Do something small. It doesn't matter if you read just one chapter of the Bible, half a chapter of the Bible. The key is regularly mm. read God's word. Mm. And so it's not about how much you read. It's about whether you're reading it. But also learn to read it with a sense of excitement. I, I think you've got to be committed to it, but just don't make it complicated. Um, and do that with a heart to say, I want to see Jesus in this. I want to grow. Remember, when you eat food, uh, sometimes some meals are really tasty. Some meals aren't, but they were still helpful for you. And that's just the way we have to view these times. So be committed. Don't make it complicated. Excellent. Thank you. And do you think it's valuable to um, include others in your devotional time? Or is there any role that people, that other people can play? Or is it totally independent? What do you think? I think it's nice to share with others what you're learning. It's nice to ask other people, mm. what are they learning? You can learn creative ideas from others. There's nothing wrong with changing how you do your devotions. Like I said, over the years, I've done it in ways that have been really great. There's been times that just haven't worked well for me. And I learn from others and then I incorporate ideas from others. So I think it's good to include people in that. Share with them what you're learning. You can bless them and they can bless you. I think it's nice to do things as a family but I also think it's very important that we are spending that private and quiet time uh, before God doing that. Uh, so, yeah, definitely include other people, but do it so that you can bless them and have them bless you. Great. And if I'm just starting out and I just, I'm, I'm wanting to pick a book to read, um, I'd like to hear what you think about specific devotional books, if there's one that's really good, I know. Uh, for me, I like to do Alistair Begg's Truth for Life book. I find that one really helpful. Maybe if there's a specific book, but also uh, if I'm just going to go straight into my Bible, uh, where's a good place to start? 
Yeah, I, I think if you're asking for a recommendation on devotional books, um, I will mention two that I really like. Uh, the first one's exactly what you mentioned. It's called Truth for Life by Alistair Begg. Mm. It comes in two volumes, sort of like a, a light green one and a red one, and they are excellent. In mm. fact, I think that's one of the best devotional books someone could read. It's only one page long. It's got a Bible passage, an explanation, and just some challenging questions at the end. I think that's excellent. Uh, I personally use at the moment, uh, my wife uses Truth for Life, and, and I borrow it from her sometimes, but I'm using one that I share with my children called Table Talk Magazine. Um, I actually have a subscription. Fantastic. And it's very similar to the Truth for Life one with Alistair Begg, where it has a Bible passage and a, a one-page explanation. I also find that really helpful. There's many others, but they would probably be the two that I would highly recommend. But what book should you start off with? Well, you've got 66 in the Bible, and none of them would be a bad place to start. You can't go wrong reading any book of the Bible. But if you were to ask me, pick one, uh, the one that comes to my mind would be something that's nice and small. Don't start off with something big. And here's a little bit of advice too. Maybe start off with one book of the Bible and try to read it every day for a month. Just this one book. So let's say Colossians. Colossians has got four chapters. It would take you about 12 to 13 minutes to read those four chapters. Some of you might be faster than me. Some may be slower, but it's not very long. Say 15 minutes. For 15 minutes, five days out of seven, Monday to Friday, read Colossians every day and do that for a month. And you know what will happen? The end of the month, you'll really start knowing what that book's all about and it starts getting mm. inside of you. I think that's a really cool way to go about your devotions. But it's only one way, but maybe that's a challenge for someone to do. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Pastor Andrew. And thank you for listening. Make sure to tune into the Unified Podcast for weekly sermons and more from Unify Youth.